Hi everyone, welcome back to the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of syncope found under the cardiovascular section at medbullets.com. Let's begin with the clinical snapshot. A 65-year-old man presents to the emergency department after his wife saw him collapse onto the ground. He stood up from bed to make his way to the restroom. When he stood up, his wife saw him briefly stop walking, turn pale, and fall to the ground. After 10 seconds, he regained consciousness and said he felt lightheaded and his vision became blurry prior to passing out. Medical history significant for hypertension and newly diagnosed benign prostatic hyperplasia. He is taking hydrochlorothiazide and terazosin. Physical exam is unremarkable. A 12-lead electrocardiogram does not demonstrate any cardiac arrhythmias or structural changes. Let's continue with an introduction to syncope. Clinically, it is defined as a transient loss of consciousness secondary to poor cerebral nutrient flow. Syncope has the following features. It demonstrates a rapid onset, the loss of consciousness is of short duration, and the recovery is complete and spontaneous. There are three different types of syncope. These include reflex, orthostatic, and cardiac syncope. In terms of the etiology, reflex syncope refers to neurally mediated reflex syncope. This may include vasovagal syncope, for which triggers include emotional stress or fear, blood phobia, and pain, carotid sinus syncope, which is syncope with minor stimulation of the carotid sinus, such as shaving, putting on neckties, or applying minor pressure, and situational syncope, for which triggers include coughing or sneezing, defecation, and postprandial. Orthostatic syncope is due to autonomic dysfunction. Causes may include multiple system atrophy. Cardiac syncope may be due to arrhythmia or structural heart disease, and neurogenic syncope is due to stroke or vascular insufficiency, such as vertebrobasilar artery insufficiency. Moving on to the presentation. Symptoms include symptoms of presyncope, which include lightheadedness, palpitations, and visual changes, such as blurring and whiting out. On exam, orthostatic blood pressure should be obtained, and cardiac auscultation should be performed in order to determine the presence of a pathologic murmur. In terms of further studies, an electrocardiogram is indicated to rule out a cardiac cause of syncope. These may include ventricular tachycardia, atrial fibrillation, supraventricular tachycardia, Torsade de pointe, so one should look for QT prolongation. Left ventricular hypertrophy, so one should look for large voltages and leads that serve the left ventricle. And arrhythmogenic right ventricular dysplasia, so one should look for an epsilon wave and T wave inversions in the anterior leads. Echocardiography is indicated when structural heart disease is suspected or known. And telemetry is used to monitor for dysrhythmias. In terms of the differential, make sure to think about a seizure, with differentiating factors being that there will be bilateral tongue biting and prolongs confusion after consciousness is regained. In terms of treatment, the treatment is guided towards the underlying cause of syncope. For vasovagal syncope, if there is a low-risk patient with no lab abnormalities, the patient can be discharged. For cardiogenic syncope, patients should be admitted to the telemetry unit for further diagnostic workup, such as echocardiography. And lastly, complications related to syncope include fractures. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to syncope, Let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 67-year-old man presents to the emergency department after an episode of syncope. He was at a baseball game when he suddenly lost consciousness. After about 15 seconds, the patient woke up and was back to his baseline. He was sitting when the episode occurred and currently feels well otherwise. He did not fall or hit his head. He has a past medical history of diabetes obesity, a myocardial infarction, and dementia. 
He was also recently treated for an atypical pneumonia and vomiting with azithromycin and ondansetron. The patient states that he actually had another episode similar to this two days ago while he was watching television. He states that these episodes come on randomly with no preceding symptoms, and when he wakes up, he feels at his baseline. His temperature is 97.6 degrees Fahrenheit, or 36.4 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 154 over 92. Pulse is 88 beats per minute. Respirations are 17 breaths per minute. And oxygen saturation is 98% on room air. Cardiopulmonary exam is unremarkable and reveals a normal S1 and S2 with clear breath sounds. The patient's cranial nerves are grossly intact, and his gait is stable. An ECG is obtained, which demonstrates QT prolongation. Which of the following is a possible etiology of this patient's symptoms? And the answer choices are Choice 1, orthostatic hypotension. Choice 2, seizure. Choice 3, stroke. Choice 4, torsade de pointe. Or choice 5, vasovagal syncope. The best answer to this question is choice 4, torsade de pointe. This patient is presenting with sudden onset syncope with a rapid return back to his baseline in the setting of QT prolongation, which could support a diagnosis of torsade de pointe as the etiology of a syncope. Syncope can be due to a cardiac source, neurologic source, or orthostatic source. Syncope from a cardiovascular etiology, and arrhythmia in particular, can lead to rapid onset syncope without a prodrome with the rapid return to baseline. This occurs secondary to a sudden loss of cerebral perfusion, followed by the resumption of cerebral perfusion when the arrhythmia resolves. The workup for a cardiac etiology of syncope should include an ECG to evaluate for any arrhythmias or QT prolongation, continuous cardiac monitoring as arrhythmias may not be present on presentation, electrolytes to look for any derangements, and possibly troponins if there is a concern for an ischemic etiology. Trussade de Pointe is a condition associated with QT prolongation that presents with twisting of the QRS complex around an electrical baseline. It can be exacerbated by congenital QT prolongation conditions such as Romano Ward or Jervell Long Nielsen syndrome, QT prolonging medications, and electrolyte abnormalities such as hypokalemia, hypomagnesemia, and hypocalcemia. The treatment of Torsade de Pointe is magnesium sulfate and defibrillation if the patient has no pulse. Patients who are intermittently in Torsade de Pointe may experience syncope and spontaneously exit the rhythm and have a normal ECG on presentation or only QT prolongation. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Orthostatic hypotension presents with lightheadedness when the patient stands up followed by syncope. This patient's symptoms occur randomly and suddenly at rest with no other symptoms suggestive of orthostatic hypotension. Choice 2. Seizure would present with loss of consciousness, possibly tonic-clonic activity, and finally, a post-ictal phase. This patient has a rapid loss of consciousness with a rapid return to baseline without a post-ictal phase. Choice 3. Stroke could present with sudden onset syncope. Specifically, a vertebral basilar stroke would present with syncope, nausea, vomiting, and ataxia. This patient has no persistent neurological deficits to support a diagnosis of stroke. Choice 5. Vasovagal syncope would present with a warm, flushed feeling followed by syncope with a rapid return to baseline. It is not typically a recurrent event with no preceding symptoms in the setting of a prolonged QT. Finally, a bullet summary. Cardiac arrhythmias can cause syncope which presents with a rapid loss of consciousness followed by a rapid return to baseline without a postictal phase. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 56-year-old man presents to the emergency department after a fall. He was walking with his friend and subsequently fell onto his friend, who gently laid the patient on the ground, preventing head injury. 
Prior to the fall, the patient denied feeling lightheaded, having vision changes, or palpitations. When he was on the ground, the patient was not responsive to voice. There were no abnormal movements when he was unconscious, and the patient regained consciousness in approximately two minutes. He was not confused afterward and denied having any bowel or bladder incontinence or tongue biting. He reports currently feeling well without chest pain, shortness of breath, or palpitations. He has a history of hypertension, hyperlipidemia, and a myocardial infarction one year ago, requiring drug-eluting stent placement. His blood pressure is 135 over 85, pulse is 85 beats per minute, and respirations are 16 breaths per minute. His physical exam is unremarkable. An electrocardiogram demonstrates normal sinus rhythm with Q waves in the anterolateral leads. His laboratory results demonstrate a sodium of 140, chloride of 98, potassium of 3.8, bicarbonate of 24, BUN of 15, glucose of 102, creatinine of 0.9, calcium of 9.5, and magnesium of 1.8. Which of the following is the most appropriate next step in management? And the answer choices are, choice 1, admit for a tilt table test. Choice 2, admit to the telemetry unit. Choice 3, discharge to home with a 24-hour Holter monitor. Choice 4, immediate coronary angiography. Or choice 5, reassurance and arrange close outpatient cardiology follow-up. The best answer to this question is, choice 2, admit to the telemetry unit. This patient is presenting with a syncopal episode and a prior history of myocardial infarction leading to myocardial scarring, suggested by the Q waves in the electrocardiogram. The patient should be admitted to the telemetry unit for further diagnostic workup. Cardiac syncope describes a syncopal episode, which is a transient impaired perfusion of blood to the brain due to a cardiac cause. Cardiac causes of syncope include aortic stenosis, sick sinus syndrome, advanced atrioventricular block, torsade de pointe, and ventricular tachycardia. VT can result from a previous myocardial infarction that led to myocardial scarring and presents without autonomic prodromal symptoms such as pallor and diaphoresis and with a rapid onset syncope similar to torsade de pointe. VT increases the risk of developing sudden cardiac death. Therefore, it is crucial to admit patients for further cardiac evaluation and management. Placing patients on telemetry identifies cardiac arrhythmias, and echocardiography evaluates the cardiac valves, left ventricular function, and the presence of wall motion abnormalities. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Admission for a tilt-table test is reserved for patients having recurrent episodes of syncope without evidence of structural heart disease or with structural heart disease after cardiac syncope has been ruled out. Another indication is when there is suspicion for vasovagal syncope, such as autonomic prodromal symptoms such as pallor, diaphoresis, and nausea with fainting, but the diagnosis is not fully clear. Choice 3. Discharge to home with a 24-hour Holter monitor is inappropriate since the patient likely has cardiac syncope from VT placing him at risk of sudden cardiac death if not thoroughly evaluated and appropriately managed. Indications for 24-hour Holter monitoring include symptomatic patients with recurrent and unexplained palpitations, evaluation of occult atrial fibrillation in patients with cryptogenic stroke, and evaluating for asymptomatic ventricular premature beats or non-sustained VT in patients with cardiomyopathy. Choice 4. Immediate coronary angiography is too premature since the patient does not have ischemic findings on electrocardiogram, such as ST segment elevation, nor chest pain or dyspnea. If there is evidence of a new wall motion abnormality on echocardiogram or a significant decrease in ventricular ejection fraction, then coronary angiography is needed to diagnose and intervene on a potential coronary artery occlusion. Choice 5. Reassurance and arranging close outpatient cardiology follow-up is not appropriate in this clinical setting, 
where cardiac syncope from VT is high on the differential. Patients with vasovagal syncope can be reassured and followed in the outpatient setting. Finally, a bullet summary. Ventricular tachycardia presents with rapid onset syncope without autonomic prodromal symptoms in the setting of underlying structural heart disease, such as from prior myocardial scarring, and requires immediate cardiac evaluation and management. That's all for this review about syncope. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you considered leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast.